Welcome to Supply Circles, stories from the innovators, disruptors, and improvers in supply chain management today, brought to you by AI Group. Yes, indeed. Hello, I'm James Scotland, and this is Supply Circles. In this podcast, I ask the question, how can we in Australia create supply chains that are resilient and sustainable at a time when we are implementing the challenges of the three Ds? You know them, digitalization to keep up with your peers and your industries, decarbonisation to meet your legal requirements and targets by 2050 and in some states 2045 or even earlier, and ongoing disruptions, which come in many shapes, not only global pandemics, but also industry disruptions, product disruptions, logistics interruptions and challenges, global inflation, geopolitics, and so much more. Each fortnight, I delve into different sections of the end-to-end supply chain. I chat with fascinating and interesting people And we try to have a little bit of fun along the way. Today is very special. In our last episode, I spoke to small business owner Sam Matendos and heard his thoughts and insights into the challenge of creating a sustainable and resilient SME supplier business. Well, today we go to the complete other end of the spectrum. My guest is Anne Ackerson, the Global Head of Procurement for BAE Systems. For those who don't know, BAE Systems is a high-tech global defence prime contractor that provides some of the world's most advanced technology-led defence, aerospace and security solutions. With a workforce of over 93,000 people in 40 countries, the company develops, manufactures and supports products and services that deliver high-end military capability and increased national security. So to have the head of procurement on the show is a big deal, a big, big deal, and I'm very excited. Hello, Anne. Welcome to Australia. What brings you back to our South Pacific paradise? Well, thank you, James. I'm, I'm happy to be with you today and happy to be here in Australia. So as part of my role, I, I do try to get to each of our major markets at least once per year. Uh, for a couple things. One, I like to be able to spend time with some of the folks in the broader supply chain function in each of these markets. I also like to have an opportunity to partner up when we have supplier engagement activities to help be able to tell the story and send a broad message around what's happening in our global supply chain, as well as uh, really at this, uh, the timing of this visit was very much around our partnering event that we're hosting this week uh, here in Adelaide. So that's what brings me back. And I'm very excited about that. I know that's the reason because I'm going to join you in Adelaide on Wednesday and uh, and uh, I'm privileged to be the host uh, and the MC. So I'm looking forward to hearing you on stage. Today, let's talk about the the, uh, the backstory to, to Anne and uh, learn a bit more about procurement perhaps and talk a bit a little bit about BAE. I'm, I'm told that your actual role is not only head of procurement, you're also the member of the Global Senior Leadership Team and you're chair of the BAE Systems PLC Global Supply Chain Council, uh, which I guess means that you're sort of focusing on on purchasing power and and how to run the whole global enterprise. My question is, what does that mean? What's your day job? Well, so it's a unique role for BAE because, of course, as an aerospace and defense contractor and operating in multiple markets, um, we have specific security requirements that we have to operate in. I am, my role is actually, I'm based out of the U.S., but I am, um, I have global responsibilities, which is quite unique within BAE. And that you summarized it, I think, very well. My role is to make sure that we are bringing forward and delivering functional capability uh, that allows us to leverage our global scale, our global spend, and that we are improving our functional capability across the workforce uh, for everyone in supply chain roles. Historically, that was very much focused on procurement, but just even in the last 12 months, we've expanded our view to think more broadly around supply chain, including planning as well as procurement and transportation and logistics, because we know that having an integrated supply chain approach is going to really be able to help us deliver more value for the business and our customers and allow us to leverage best practices far more effectively than 
every single program or every single business independently trying to develop capability. So my job is very much around making sure that we're focused on the right things strategically, that we are leveraging our projects and our focus um, in a way as much as possible to align so that we're not um, just having a best practice in Australia instead of, hey, Australia is doing this really great thing. Are we leveraging that in the U.S. market, mm. the Saudi market and the U.K. market? And so really around developing people, developing process, developing tools, making sure that as we have great suppliers that we're able to look at opportunities to expand the impact that those suppliers can bring beyond a one individual market and wherever possible, look to see if we can't help them grow to support us in multiple markets. So it's uh, certainly been an exciting ride these last three years as as we all know, it's been uh, certainly a very challenging period for uh, supply chains around the world. I want to ask you about that, but, but I, I have to ask you, how do you become Global Head of Procurement? What's the, that, oh, that's, that's a great job. So how did you get there? Well, my whole career. So I, I'm not ashamed to say that I have been in supply chain for close to 40 well, years well uh, across nine different industries. Um, and I actually, my university degree, I was in business, but my major was transportation and logistics. So it was back in a time where they didn't even have supply chain management degrees. And over the course of my career, I have been a individual contributor practitioner in import-export, transportation logistics, material planning, strategic sourcing, and then increasingly took roles of greater responsibility and uh, was uh, was a, a great opportunity to have a chance to talk to BAE Systems around what they were looking for here. And, uh, and I'm happy that they are certainly open and looking for us to deliver more than just uh, procurement capability, but really how are we improving our supply chain capability Again, not ignoring procurement, but taking, a, I would say, a wider aperture than just the procurement piece and really looking at supply chain uh, more broadly than what we've done in the past. And I feel like it's, you know, where, I, where I'm at today is a culmination of all of the different experiences and roles that I've had up until now, because I've, again, it's, I think, nine industries for me. And for those of us that have been in supply chain uh, for any length of time know that uh, the core capabilities are transferable across every industry. The levers that you may pull in any one of those industries might be different. There might be different considerations relative to security or re relative to pace of change, but the core fundamentals are very much the same. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that. I talked about uh, about your profession rather than just BAE, as I said, so we'll get on to that in a second. But I must say I'm glad to hear that. You started off in transport and logistics because that's where I started. Um, also, I've had a, um, oh, probably for 10 years I've been debating with Andy Brightmore, who's the uh, head of procurement and supply chain at Compass Group for the Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia. Uh, I've been saying, um, you know, he's a procurement specialist, I'm a supply chain specialist, and we've been arguing as to, you know, who's, who's most important. And really, we get to the stage of it's all just one, it's all just one, you know, what's... Uh, they're both all the functions in supply chain are are important. They are. But you mentioned before, you mentioned before uh, COVID, and and it's been a couple of years now, and and we've spent a lot of time trying to think of what the what the lessons were from the from the pandemic. Uh, and you've got a global perspective. Um, what have you learned? What, what, have you had a chance to reflect yet? Did you learn from from that unique set of circumstances about supply chain and? and procurement and business improvement? So, so James, I actually joined BAE Systems in May of 2020. Oh. So I joined, I joined the Good company uh, during the pandemic. And so a lot of, I would say, some of the initial work had, was already underway around, you know, making sure that our operations were resilient and could continue to operate. Uh, and 
I think for me as a career supply chain person, what the pandemic did was I think help highlight across the business and across many industries, the critical importance of a robust and resilient supply chain. I think those of us that have been in supply chain our whole careers always knew how important the work that we do is to a company. But I think it was largely maybe a little bit more invisible or in the background to some extent, right? That if your supply chain was running really well, people didn't actually hear much about it. And what I think the pandemic pointed out was just the magnitude or the the degree of critical importance that it is. And to some cases highlighted potentially the fragility, you know, the just-in-time environments that many companies operated to clearly was the disruption that many companies faced. Uh, I think it was just called out. It was became much more visible. And so for me, to some extent, sort of the hidden benefit of that was I think supply chain and supply chain professionals are appreciated more now. I think the roles are seen as far more strategic than they perhaps were in many companies. Um, they're, they're seen more strategic now than they were before. And I think it has created an opportunity for those of us in supply chain to uh, be able to speak with greater power and with greater impact and be able to influence the direction that the companies uh, is going or businesses are going relative to investments. And that to me has been, uh, you know, a benefit actually. The, the fact that many of us that perhaps historically weren't often given regular interactions with the board now have regular interactions with the board around what's happening within the supply chain and, and to me, that's goodness. It's goodness now and it's goodness for the future because um, I think with many businesses having a pretty significant reliance on their supply chain, often greater than 50% of their costs come through the supply chain, in some cases well higher than that. It's really important for us to have a voice and for us to be able to shape uh, the investments, the direction of travel that we're going to, again, help be able to deliver the best possible solutions for our customers and our companies. It's really nice uh, for uh, to see supply chain come to the fore and to be seen as the sort of central organizing system throughout the whole company and, and recognize how much of the uh, the activities of the company are involved in the supply chain of delivering the end products. Yeah. Uh, part of the problem, though, was that it the mistakes, the mistakes that we'd made over a couple of decades came to the fore. One you mentioned was living on an island thousands of miles from anywhere and then relying on just in time. It yeah. was exposed very quickly. Uh, and also the idea that we can build um, uh, completely repeatable, non-threatened uh, systems and processes uh, and, and just go for maximum efficiency. It was recognised that we actually made some, some mistakes there. So... Um, everyone who's not a supply chain professional listen to this, just tune out for a second. I want to ask Anne a supply chain professional question. The lesson that we may have, we thought initially was that we had, um, we needed to learn to be more flexible and to be able to pivot and to react to, um, to disruptions. But from that, we realized, no, it was really about the, the, the fundamental issue was a risk management issue. Supply chain is about risk management. Mm-hmm. And as time goes on, that conversation has dropped down even further. And, and we've been having conversations recently uh, at the sort of meta level saying it's really about trust. Uh, the issue that we, we faced during the pandemic was trust, the trust in our decisions to not to make a decision, you know, not to get not get into that, um, that moribund of not making a decision because we're too scared, trust in our people, even though they're not in the office, trust in our suppliers, even though they're having problems. Trust in their markets, trust in their clients. There's a lot of trust involved in the whole thing. And supply chains have been identified as being this sort of holder of the trust. Would you agree with that or is that just too um, esoteric? I don't know that I would say, you know, in the end, it's it might be trust but verify, right? The expectation for us in supply chain is that we are the 
we are the belt and the suspenders, so to speak. So we have to be mm -hmm. able to assure continuity of supply. Again, in our industry, um, working with the program. So we don't get to, um, I would say, universally in the function, make all the decisions relative to um, how to mitigate the risk. Our job mm -hmm. is to identify the risk, make recommendations on risk mitigation, and ultimately work with the programs relative to how they want to move forward to actually mitigate the risk. And I, I believe um, one of the learnings is, A, we need to lean into that responsibility. We need to use our voice and our, um, our point of view as far as understanding what's happening across the marketplace and make sure that we are presenting the risks and the recommendations around mitigations uh, consistently, actively, proactively to the program offices so that they can uh, work with us relative to how do they want to move forward. And then we obviously play a role in implementing any of the risk mitigation programs. So, you know, it's, um, it's not enough that we were able to deliver for yesterday. We have to be able to continue to deliver. And, and that's yeah. what our customers expect. That's what our shareholders expect is we have to be counted on to um, have that, that continuity of supply. So again, I wouldn't, um, I guess I would say that it, it is the trust, but it's the, it's the verify and it's the do what we say we're going to do every single day. The management of the trust, yeah. yeah. Um, a former head of, of CHIPS, uh, Chartered Institute of Professional Suppliers, uh, it's Professional Supply Chain, I think. It's, you know, it's the Institute for Supply Chain people. Uh, he said he was, he was, he remembered when before computers, all suppliers were within a drive's day. Oh. Uh, this is in England. This is in England. All, all suppliers were in a drive's But then as we progressed, we started building global supply chain. Uh, and there's many benefits to global supply chains, including spreading the, the, the value across the world, uh, better, better prices, better products, all sorts of benefits. The downside was environment and social issues. And from that, we got ESG. Uh, yeah. It's a nice way of sort of explaining where ESG came from. I imagine that takes up a fair bit of your time, Ann. Uh, gosh, you know, I would say a huge chunk of my career was actually around expanding a global supply chain. And it's been really mm -hmm. interesting over the last three years around having to step back and take a look at that through different lenses. Um, mm -hmm. A, you are right. One of those lenses is around ESG and the carbon footprint that a global supply chain brings. But also in some cases, when you think about the priorities of our customers, we don't, um, we don't get the advantage of you're making a decision, a sourcing decision based on one single parameter. There are multiple mm -hmm. parameters that we have to satisfy as a company. Part of that is industrial, um, industrial capability. Part of that is ESG. Part of that is value for money. Part of that is actually technical uh, capability. And so we have to try to balance all of that. And I will say in certain markets where we operate, ESG is taking on more importance, but it's not the only decision, right? Our customers at this point aren't willing to pay more for a better ESG solution. And so how do we mm -hmm. work together to make sure that we are actively supporting the customer priorities that we are being good corporate citizens relative to our own ESG journey, and mm -hmm. that we are, I, I would say, increasingly looking to learn from even our suppliers or competitors around how can we collectively um, deliver what we need to deliver and bring the right um, ESG approach. And, and I would like to think that the big opportunity for us as an industry is as industry partners or I guess competitors, if you will, that we're not all coming up with independent requirements for our suppliers, that we are thinking about across industry, what is it that we want to ask for from our suppliers that would allow them to be able to meet collectively our needs 
without having to have one-off approaches for every customer, because that becomes really burdensome for particularly our small and medium-sized um, suppliers that uh, we work with. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, for people who aren't in the defence industry, it's worth noting that um, whilst you say you're in global procurement, you can't buy from anywhere in the, from everywhere in the world because you're in defence, and some right. of your defence customers would say, "Well, you can't buy from that country because we could be at odds with them soon." So you, you need to factor that in all the time. Like you're we saying, do much more. Yeah, it's well certainly with the current geopolitical situation. You know, it's just even scenario planning around what are we sourcing from here? Um, what a hostile nation may be today could change tomorrow. And I think that um, one of the learnings over the last three years is more of our customers in the major markets want to um, reduce, reduce the risk. Um, now, that doesn't mean that in every market that we only are going to source from the than that particular market. Um, but certainly we need to be understanding where are we sourcing from today? Um, how do we make sure that we ideally have alternatives available to us? Uh, being solely reliant on single or sole source situation increases the, um, the risk to our customers. But again, these are balanced decisions around customers play a role in this industry around qualifying additional suppliers. And so we've got to be quite mindful of that going forward as well. Uh, it's, I was going to um, ask you. That. Uh, go ahead. I was, I was going to ask you about that. But I decided not to, but let's, let's yeah. pick it up now. Um, the argument about single source versus multiple sources, the argument is that if you go single source, you can go to a company and say, we'll buy everything from you and they give you a much better deal on them a much better relationship and it's wonderful but as we discovered during uh, COVID it, it creates uh, a real risk point how do you manage that how do you figure out what's best well uh, and I, I don't I don't want to say this with Jess but I mean it's I mean that's to me the real meat of why you just don't pull someone off the street and ask them to do what mm. we do it's because you've got you've got to navigate and manage that so there are some things where we do have multiple sources and we know based on some of the global tendering that we do that where we have competitive situations, we get more competitive pricing and we're able to reduce our risk because we have alternatives relative to source of supply. So if capacity with one company becomes an issue, we have another supplier that we're able to tap into. Where we have not had um, alternate sources that are qualified, we A, are bearing a higher um, cost from an inflationary market. They price accordingly. And when mm -hmm. you then have capacity issues, uh, then we are at risk as far as our ability to, to uh, meet our commitments to the customers. And so I think much of this, to your earlier point, James, is around managing risk and understanding where are the you know critical paths in our supply chain. How are we taking forward recommendations when it's you know we want to go and get a customer support to qualify an alternate source because a there's the continuity of supply aspect and or there's the value for money aspect, and to me they go hand in hand, but. Um, to, to try to do that across the board is probably cost prohibitive for us as a, as a company, as well as for our customers. And so it's really prioritizing based on risk. Where we've had strong partnering relationships, that's probably lower risk. Um, but again, we've seen a lot and we've learned a lot over the last uh, few years. And that's just a matter of being honest and open with your suppliers and saying this is a risk issue. You know, we, we have to spread or, or we yes. can... We can bring it in. Um, yeah, great answer. Thank you so much. Let's move on to a different issue. I noticed uh, in, in the preparation I did for talking with you today that BAE, uh, BAE has a commitment to gender diversity. Uh, the website says that BAE Systems has joined 484 other companies as a member of the 2023 Bloomberg Gender Equity Index, uh, which is great. Why do we need... What's the issue with this? What's the problem with gender equity? 
Oh, and how do we solve it? Gosh, James. Uh, well, first of all, uh, diversity. Something like a big question to ask you, by the way. I yeah. just start with something really. I will just sort of say um, diversity of experience is hugely important. Um, and diversity takes on more than just gender. So I will say we value all types of diversity at BAE Systems. It's one of the reasons I'm super proud to uh, be here and be a leader within the company. And coming in again during COVID, this is a company that I think walks the talk relative to wanting to create a great environment for our employees, both for our current employees as well as for future employees. And diversity is one aspect of that. And I will say, uh, you know, just the part of the business that I have responsibility for, we probably are one of the leading areas as far as gender diversity within within the company. So I, I feel really proud, really proud of that. Uh, also with just the transfer of skills, I certainly value folks in the supply chain that bring experiences not only from aerospace and defense, but bring experiences from other industries because often the best ideas aren't the ideas that are already in the company. It may come from folks that have different experiences outside of the company as well. And so this is to me why, to the extent that we get um, DEI right or DNI, depending on how you want to look at it, I think it, there's all sorts of studies that demonstrate when you have more diversity, you get better business outcomes. And uh, I absolutely believe that to my core. I, uh, that was the answer I was expecting and hoping to get, so, you know, congratulations. But it also leads to the fact that exactly within your answer that you work in so many different markets. Um, you have to not just worry about gender uh, diversity, but also Indigenous diversity in, in uh, many of these markets you work in, there is a strong indigenous Absolutely. basis. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. There's uh, so many, so many aspects of, of diversity. It's a nice, complex job. One, one last thing in, in this area. Uh, the CEO of uh, AI Group uh, in this works says the thing that keeps him up at night, the one that keep, gives him night sweats, is cyber. Um, ah. You know, we're a large, we're a large organisation. With connections around the world, and there's so many weak points in that could cause cataclysmic problems for us. Uh, now, you're a digitalized company, a high tech company. It must be just a nightmare in what you're doing, trying to make sure that you've got that issue covered. Have you got anything that you can share with us about cyber? Well, um, I would say uh, cyber certainly, obviously, yeah, right? so. cyber is uh, certainly a growing risk area, and it's uh, we're in a unique position because we offer. Um, cyber relate cybersecurity related solutions to certain customers, oh, okay. um, and, but we also have to be cognizant of our own operations as well as that of our of our supply chain. And um, I do see cyber risk. In fact, I'm going to talk a lot about it a little bit on Wednesday of this week. Is we are seeing increasing risk in the supply chain through cyber. I think there's been some various studies that say most breaches come from either your own employees or breaches through your supply chain. And so- yeah, that's all the weak points. Yeah. Absolutely. So when uh, you think about the nature of being in aerospace and defense, the nature of the information that we are sharing with our suppliers, absolutely. We need suppliers to be vigilant. We need them to be, uh, those that are handling certain types of information need to ensure that they have robust protocols within their own operations. And I would say this is an area that we cannot uh, take our eye off the ball at all. And we, we've had in a couple um, different events, uh, just Last year, we did an event in the UK and we had a supplier that was willing to actually share their own experience around when they had a breach. And I thought that was really courageous of them. I was really appreciative of them getting on stage and just talking about their own experience and their own journey, yeah. because there's yeah. nothing as powerful as a company sharing. This is what happened to us. This is mm. what we learned from it. And they were very giving as far as um, things to consider for other suppliers that were in the room. 
Because BAE, certainly we have access to resources that maybe some of the small businesses don't have. But um, there are lots of avenues, I think, that small businesses can take to help their own resilience. Yeah, um, Innes Willocks also has said that uh, cybersecurity is a little bit similar to OH&S in the 90s, where we said you not only have to put good systems and procedures in place, you just have to keep going back and getting better and better and better at it. Because it's not a, it doesn't stand still. You have to keep building on it. That's and exactly the weak right. point is your people and your suppliers. So yeah. Let's take a break and come back and talk about uh, British Airspace. Uh, oh, sorry, BAE. Um, before I, before we do that, I, I've got a question for you. Um, in your industry, you get to play with what us men call the big boys' toys. Just the lots of good, fun stuff. And uh, I remember when I first got involved in BAE, I heard about. Um, one of the Australian products, joined a dimly over the horizon uh, radar network that was just staggering. I just could not believe what I was looking at. And since then, I've heard about hypersonics, which is six times the speed of speed of sound. There's lots of good fun. Which bit? What what has blown your mind since you've come into BAE? What went whoa? Well, I probably don't best, have. I toy? probably don't have the clearance to. Uh... To get exposure to some of those super cool things. Um, But I will say, I don't think the, I don't know that it's, I would say, gender specific relative to what people can (laughs) uh, be excited about. But I did recently have an opportunity to visit our Swedish operation and uh, did get to actually drive uh, a CV90. Uh, So it's a, uh, armored car- uh, carrier, people carrier, and uh, BBS-10. Uh-huh. So wow. that was pretty cool. And in uh, our Rochester, UK operation, got to uh, sit in the simulator to see the heads-up display unit that's used uh-huh. and that we yeah. offer and uh, be in a simulator in that. So those those were those were pretty cool. I, I think as a... Uh, as a supply chain professional, to me, it's always around getting out and walking through the operation, whether it's our own yeah. operations where we see things come to life or whether it's our supplier operations where we get to see uh, the cool things that our suppliers do. That's always sort of the highlights is when you actually get to go and see and uh, walk the operations. And uh, I, I think it's fair to say that can, can never do enough of that. You can you go home at the end of the day saying, oh, it's just amazing what people do with their lives, isn't it? Just, yeah. just staggering. Well, I think too, I think probably too many of our folks aren't able to go home at the end of the day and say this is what we're doing because of the nature <laughs> of what we're doing. But um, Well, they can think it then. Yeah. But, you know, what I can say, and I don't think I'm alone at BAE, is this um, the commitment to the mission of, you know, protecting yeah. those that protect us. That, to me, is... Um, is really, really special to know the role that we play in keeping our our country secure and protecting the warfighter. Um, that's something that we all feel super proud of here. That's a really nice thing. I haven't heard that. I protect those that protect us. Is that the BAE call? Is it? Yeah, um, our mission. It is. Mm-hmm. Our mission is lovely, yeah. yeah. I, um, uh, I, when we catch up in Adelaide, you'll have to try and help me find a better term than big boys toys. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and the fact that you asked that right after diversity and, and diversity, know, it's like, come on. <laughs> I know, but I spent the last two nights trying to think, of well, how can I change this? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to call that. But anyway, I, I, I just say that so sometimes I can't help being a man. There you go. All right, let's come back and uh, chat about uh, BAE. Okay. If you have supply chain or business improvement challenges, contact AI Group's Business Improvement and Growth Hub. The Big Hub is a library of practical and relevant resources designed to assist member businesses to grow and improve. The Big Hub also includes an extensive network of experienced, pre-qualified business improvement consultants. For more details, contact big at aigroup.com.au. That's big at aigroup.com.au. And I was, um, when I was doing that research and wandering through the uh, 
the BAE website. So I, I, I saw a, a quote that said, at BAE Systems, we don't just care about what we do, but also how we do it. Our supplier principles, guidance for responsible business, sets out what best practice we expect from our suppliers and from their supply chains to reflect the standards that we hold for ourselves. That's a great statement. What does it mean? Well, I would essentially describe it as it's our supplier code of conduct, right? Mm -hmm. So our suppliers represent us and we can only be as good as our weakest suppliers. So we want to make sure that the companies that we're working with us absolutely represent our values. They're doing business the right way and that they are going to reflect well uh, not only on themselves, but they're going to re reflect well for BAE systems. And this is that that commitment goes across, I would say, many areas. One of those is um, human trafficking or modern slavery. Um, those are related to conflicts of interests. You know how we how we do business with others, and so I feel strongly. And I think every company I've ever worked for, we've always had a supplier code of conduct, and here we call it our supplier principles document. And um, just because somebody might have the coolest technology or they might have uh, the best price, if they can't comply with our supplier principles, then that's not a company that we're going to do business with. It's, it's really as simple as that. What does a good supplier look like? Or what does a great supplier look like is probably the better question. You know, I think, uh, I think a great supplier has... Um, a compelling offering as far as the technology or service, that they are highly collaborative, that they deliver, uh, I would say, consistently, that they partner relative to, you know, what are the things that they can do now? So they do what they say they're going to do relative to contractual obligations, but then they also bring forward new ideas around how we can improve together, right? If we think about changing this specification, they could deliver, they could cut cycle time by X percent, or they could reduce costs by X percent, or um, as they're investing in their own innovation, that they are, you know, bringing forward those innovative ideas to us. We, we know that the best ideas aren't always going to um, originate out of BAE, that many of those best ideas can originate out of our suppliers, and we want to work with suppliers that are going to bring those forward and, you know, work collaboratively with us to improve collectively, you know, what we're doing for our customers. And we've got examples of suppliers uh, across our global footprint who've done that really well and have seen growth in their, in their business as a result of it. And those are the suppliers to me that we want to continue to reward and work more closely with on new programs as they come forward. Yeah, um, the Volvo Truck Group uh, say that if we're going to buy a product from you, we expect you to be the expert in that product. So we want you to keep scanning the environment and seeing what the latest technology is, how the latest processes to make it. Uh, you bring it to us. You're the expert, so we want you to bring it to us. Sounds like you're saying the same thing. Yeah, I would say I, I would say that's true. Um... In most areas, there, that may not be universally true in every single category, sure, sure, um, sure. but certainly in the strategic categories, uh, I would say that that's true. Uh, you know, some categories, quite frankly, might be more commoditized. Um, and so then it, it may then very much be around um, high mm. performance. Lowest price and exactly. high performance, yeah. But mm. um, I would say those highly strategic suppliers, everything you described, um, absolutely true. Is it possible for Australian businesses to deal with BAE sort of across the world or is Australian businesses only for Australia BAE? Well, no, we actually um, have active programs as far as how can we support and promote Australian businesses outside, not only within Australia, but outside of uh, the Australian market. So we've got... Um, global access program, actually. So we've got resources that are on the ground in the U.S. and in the U.K., and uh, those resources' full-time job is to help promote Australian business to the 
BAE systems, as well as maybe to our other suppliers in those markets yeah. to help yeah. promote uh, Australian capability to grow exports. And also, you know, ideally to solve problems where we might have weaknesses in the existing supply chain in those markets is how do we marry capability that exists in Australia today with needs that exist in some of the other markets. So I would say we, we do that through that program. And then just even with our Australian customer, we have the Australian industrial capability. And so as part of a number of our programs, we have an obligation to help build capability in the Australia market around, uh, I would say, industrial capability that may not be as mature as the Australian customer would like. And so how do we actively work in supporting programs as well as concurrently building industrial capability here? And that um, can be supported through different sourcing initiatives as well. So that takes on, I would say, um, a couple different approaches that we we currently do. And, and I guess anyone wanting to know more about that can just go to the website and, and find out, you know, what AIC is all at. Or by the way, you can contact me and I can tell you. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you my contact details later on. Um, your colleagues in, in uh, Australia, who I know quite well, a few of them, they, they talk about the customer. They say, you know, where we have a customer. And so if you're going to be a supplier, you have to understand our, our customer. You're saying the same thing. We're not, we're not the end, end, uh, end product here. We, we, we are on the way to the end product. You know, I think it's important to think about the ecosystem. And, you know, we are part of the defense ecosystem. So, again, in some markets we offer, um, we support both commercial aerospace as well as defense. But there is an ecosystem as a whole. And, you know, I think part of what we have to really think about and the, those best suppliers are those that understand the ecosystem that not only they're in today, but the one that they want to be a part of. And what are the steps that they're taking to improve their capability? All of us at every level of the supply chain need to be thinking about how are we leaning into um, our own capabilities and the capabilities of our own supply chains? Because, right, our suppliers have a supply chain as well. So what are the steps yeah. that we're taking to improve um, our capability to make that ecosystem even stronger? And I do think often when we focus on that, we can open up other avenues for growth and adjacencies um, as we improve our own capability. And I think that's, um, you know, the suppliers that do that the best are going to see themselves grow. And there may be there may be adjacent markets that they are not serving today that by improving their own capabilities um, can actually benefit this defense ecosystem as well as give them other uh, growth channels as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I I manage the Defence Supplier Network for AI Group in, in Sydney, and we always send to people, look, if you've got an aligned competency, find out uh, how you can use that in defence. You have to become defence ready. There's specific yeah. specificity to, to defence. But if you're working in LNG or mining, you've probably got some some uh, aligned capabilities and it's uh, going to become necessary as the um, geopolitical stage uh, changes. You know, we have seen actually, you know, when there's been volatility in different um, industries over, you know, during times of recession and things like that. You know, one of the things about defense is defense can be actually more stable. And so what we've seen with some in our supply base is we are, you know, one could argue maybe the annuity, right? Our business mm -hmm. continues to be steady. They can count on on us if they're performing well and we're collectively performing well. And so that's to me one of those things relative to, we may not necessarily have the highest volumes and you know a high volume, low mix, but we can be counted on, I think to oftentimes help uh, companies be compelled to innovate. We can be a steady, reliable customer and in industry relative to you know, we pay our bills, we are, we are more recession-proof than some other industries are, and so it can be a really attractive space for, for certain suppliers, for sure. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, most governments say we, here's the forward estimates of how much we're going to spend in defence. I mean, there's a certain amount of 
well, certain, certain amount of certainty. That's a bad sentence, but I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I, I also, uh, everything you're saying uh, backs up the other quote that I had from your website, which said, we believe in strong and resilient supplier relationships. We see them as critical in allowing us to meet our customers' expectations. So that just reinforces exactly what we're just talking about. Uh, Absolutely. We build relationships with our suppliers so that we can supply. Yeah, we are not, uh, I would say that I, I'm not, I am not really interested in strictly transactional relationships. I mm -hmm. think those strategic suppliers, it truly is a partnership. And we want to make sure that we are um, ideally striving to be a preferred customer and that we are in that partnering, we are welcoming and inviting feedback from our suppliers, our more st most strategic suppliers around how can we be a better customer? And I already highlighted some of the things earlier around, well, what yeah. changes might we need to make and how we do business to help it be more efficient for our suppliers? And some of those things can be around design. It can be any host of reasons. But ultimately, you know, I think the strongest supply chains are those where it's really a win-win. It's a win for BAE mm -hmm. Systems. It's a win for our suppliers. Well, it has to be, doesn't it? Because otherwise, yes. if it's not a win for both, well, then it's going to fall over, and then you're going Absolutely. to have to go looking again for either a customer or a supplier. Uh, we, we, we often say on this program that not only do you need to be a good supplier, but uh, bad buyers get fired because, you know, why would I bother? If you're not going to look after me, I'll, I'll go elsewhere. If I've got a good product. Absolutely. And you, and you buy a good product. So right. Yep. The relationship, yeah. Yeah. You've been wonderful. Thank you, Anne. Let's finish with a nice, easy, simple question. The the thesis of this uh, podcast is how to build sustainable and resilient supply chains. So, um, Anne, how do we build sustainable and <laughs> resilient supply chains? Oh, gosh. You, you, you said it, you were going to give me an easy one. So, you know, I think the sustainable and resilient has to really be around, A, we've got open communications uh, relative to not only what are the requirements for today, but we need to collectively be leaning into what are the requirements for tomorrow and how is it that we're working together to achieve not only today's requirements, but be prepared for tomorrow. How are we really thinking broadly around, you know, what is it that we're asking for from our, you know, what are our customers asking for from us? How are we influencing what our customer demands are? Um, as well as how are we making sure that we are, you know, partnering with the right with the right suppliers, that we're not unduly burdening the suppliers with, um, I will say, things that might be nice to have but are not must have. And mm -hmm. some of this is that ecosystem. So we yeah. know that everything that the customer asks for from us, we have to be we have to be in a position that we can deliver that through our supply chain. And if we are unduly burdening the supply chain with all sorts of asks, there is, that is not free. And that is not yeah, necessarily yeah. all easily done. And so how do we understand in this whole ecosystem, how is it that we want to get to that resilience and that sustainable yeah. supply chain and understanding that it is, uh, you know, to me, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And how are we going to make sure through that marathon, we get across that finish line that collectively is the right finish line for us and understanding that there are different points along that journey. There may be things that are more critical um, at, at some points than another. And I think if, if we've got the open lines of communication, we're going to navigate that successfully together. And, and that to me is a big part of making sure that as a partner, if those communication lines aren't open, we will not get there um, in the manner that we want. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I'm not sure I gave you the, there's not a crisp and easy soundbite to, to answer <laughs> that question. Um, but I guess that's why that they pay us the big bucks, James, is that we've got to figure that out. and We've got to figure it out in a way that, you know, collectively helps us all win. And uh, yeah. I think there's a hundred percent right, and and the, the marathon analogy is a good one. Uh, I'm a I'm a former uh, marathoner. Maybe I still am. I'm not sure. But along the way, you you sort of stop. You know, you get to a drink station, take stock, and then go again. And uh, you're sort of almost 
and you're always checking in how am I going what's right what's working and that's the that's the the idea isn't it it's just not, yeah. just I don't know it's just not you just don't go to work you, you need to connect with your buyers and your suppliers and, mm-hmm. and get it all right yeah it's been wonderful talking to you thank you thank you so much you're are you heading back to uh, America or are you going around the world what's uh, what's next for you uh, you know, from here, I head to uh, Perth later in the week, so get to visit our Henderson shipyard. I'm very excited about okay. that. It's my first yeah, time yeah. in Perth ever. And uh, the people that, in Perth will tell you it's the it's the best place on earth. But um, is that right? Yeah. Well, well, that's what they'll say. That's you what they'll say. Many yeah. years ago, I visited Chihuahua, Mexico, and they told me that that was the closest place to heaven on earth. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. I'll have to, you know. That's what I was told. Um, I will be back, back in the, to the northern summer. I'll be back in the U.S. Uh, at the end of the week, and then uh, and then uh, I think I'm actually home for a week before I'm on the road again. But it's a great privilege of this job, and that I get to go out and spend uh, time with team members from BAE Systems and uh, see our various operations, and get to spend time with suppliers. It's not everyone has an opportunity to uh, see the world and to spend time out in the field. So I don't take that for granted. And I'm, I'm always delighted when I can get out in the field and, and do exactly what I'm doing this week. So it's great. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you here. It's been wonderful to chat to you. Thank you for opening up and telling us your thoughts. Well, that's it for another episode of Supply Circles. We thank Anne and wish her all the best in her safe travels and her communications with Australian suppliers. Uh, Thanks again to everyone for listening and thank you for all your feedback. Always welcome. If you have any feedback on today's interview with Anne or ideas for the show or just want to give me some feedback, thank you, Rick, for your smart Alec comments. Hit me up at james.scotland, one T, james.scotland at aigroup.com.au or at my LinkedIn page. I'd love to hear from you. And we'll be back in a fortnight with more insights into the keys to building sustainable and resilient supply chains. Thanks for your joining us. This is Supply Circles. I'm James Scotland. Bye for now.